Welcome back to episode three of the Wheelie Stagey podcast. Your host, Kerry Nicholson here. Yes, I finally plucked up the courage for another solo hosting outing. And I guess I better start by saying Happy New Year and Hello 2021. We all know that 2020 wasn't the year anyone imagined or anticipated and that the arts industry was and does indeed continue to be decimated by venue closures, some immediately, others after a few days or weeks of socially distanced COVID secure performances after moving into tier three. You'll remember if you listened to my last episode that at the time in the summer there had been some positive steps in the right direction. But December was a particularly bittersweet time for me on the theatre front. My hometown of Bristol was in Tier 3, whilst London was in Tier 2 at the time. And I took the decision not to travel to the West End for two of my most anticipated outings. So I was due to have the chance to finally see John Owen Jones in the role of Valjean in the stage concert version of Les Mis. I hear from some quarters of my friendship circle that his portrayal is absolutely incredible and more than that, that he is actually their definitive favourite performer for that role. Praise indeed. And I already know how brilliantly well he can sing that particular number from from Les Mis. You you all know the one, I'm sure. Um, and I haven't um, been able to see John on stage um, since I last saw him in the title role in the tour version of Phantom of the Opera a few years ago. So I was really sad to to have not been able to see him in his other sort of most most famous role because it had been such a long time since Phantom it would have been lovely to see him again. I was also due to see Jenna Russell in concert at the Hippodrome Casino for the first time since my love affair with the London production of Bridges of Madison County began in August and September of 2019. You'll know if you've listened to my very first episode of the podcast that um, I the show, I christened the show my favorite of twenty um, my favorite of two thousand nineteen, and I admitted to how much I missed it and sort of said that that show will forever have a piece of my heart and soul. So I made the, so much as it hurt to miss both of those, I made the decision um, for the sake of my own health, but more importantly, the safety of others. But being really honest in light of that, and indeed the situation in the industry more generally, I was feeling rather down and unmotivated around keeping up with the blog and the podcast. But then, as she so often does, 
my dear friend Olivia shared some wisdom with me. We've been talking over Messenger and she asked, eventually she asked me very simply and perceptively, would it make you happy to talk about what you love even if it is just for a short time? And I decided, yes, yes it would. Hi Liv, love you lots. Hope you're doing okay. Miss you. So that spirit in mind then, I want to spend this episode taking you back to the latter months of 2020 and talk about some of the amazing streamed pieces of theatre that kept me going. There are three specifically I want to talk about here and seeing as I was due to see her back in December, let's start with one my lady Jenna Russell starred in, shall we? And that's Lambert Jackson's production of Title of Show. Love Show is a 2006 musical with music and lyrics from Jeff Pope and a book by Hunter Bell. Here's where it gets all gets a little bit meta. The show is about its own creation as an entry in the New York Musical Theatre Festival and chronicles the struggles of Jeff, Hunter and their actress friends Susan and Heidi as they spend an intense three weeks getting the show ready for the festival and everything that came beyond. The show eventually opened off-Broadway, went to Broadway, and it even spawned its own vlog called The Title of Show Show. Brilliant. Title of Show had always been one of those that had flew under my radar. I knew about it, but I'd never actually seen it. The last time it ran in London was at the Landor Theatre with Scott Garnham and Simon Bailey. But alas, the theatre wasn't accessible to me in my wheelchair, so I had to miss out. Boo hiss. So, just from that point of view to start with, I was really pleased to be able to see this production. It was filmed in the London Coliseum's chorus rehearsal room, which I thought was a really nice touch. The show as a whole, is a love letter to the arts industry, after all. And something about it being in that space felt really sort of cathartic. And even though I thought there were times where it lost a little something, as a result of being in the filmed format, it's a show about the industry, and I couldn't help feeling how much more potent things would be with an audience because after all, theatre is a community and we thrive on sharing our energy and it really benefits from that intimate sort of shared space and experience. It's actually a really fun, funny and smart show. One of my favourite moments was the number An Original Musical, which is a duet between Jeff and a rather foul-mouthed sock puppet. I believe originally, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe originally he is just duetting with a blank piece of paper. 
but they made him into a sock puppet here and the comedic comedic the comedic value was just chef's kiss brilliant about how seemingly difficult it is to write an original piece of work and that's a debate that springs to mind every time I see the latest film to musical adaptation announced and I scroll through my social media platforms so that made me chuckle it's also chock full to the brim with little references and nuances that made me smile or proper belly laugh for example finding one's note when you're gearing up to sing, the nature of being in the ensemble and having to be all the roles and all the things to be able to keep the show running, and so on. Alongside the humour, though, it also manages to say some really poignant things about friendship, artistic integrity and self-belief that really struck a chord. Special mention here to... Die Vampire Die, which is Susan's motivational number. That just spoke to me on so many levels as an as an aspiring creative and somebody who wrestles so much with self-doubt and comparing myself to others. Because the song is all about kind of face acknowledging that your demons are there, but being, being strong enough to... Uh, fight them and battle on and I think if I remember rightly there are four different kinds of vampire and I just had the biggest smile on my face all the way all the way through is it my new favorite score probably not but it's got a lovely blend of cheeky incredibly catchy up-tempo numbers and the harmonies in particular are delicious and the whole thing is elevated massively by our leading four who had great chemistry in my book. We had Mark Elliott as Jeff, Tyrone Huntley as Hunter, uh, Jenna Russell and of course Lucy Jones. It was a particular pleasure for me to be able to see Mark again. My last opportunity was way, way back in 2014 in the Don Warehouse production of City of Angels. And it was just really nice to see him play a character who's very sweet and insecure like, like Jeff. And the chemistry between him and Hunter, um, Tyrone, was really endearing. Like, I love the banter they share with each other the sort of beginning of the show when they're just when they're just sort of bouncing ideas off each other and how that develops and how their sort of relationship develops and changes through the course of the show and how they both deal with this immense pressure that sometimes comes with creativity. Lucy Jones, she's Sean as Heidi as she's and I'm so grateful to have finally been able to see her in a role and I'm living for the time I get the chance to be able to do it in person and to be able to go and support her and see her perform in the flesh for myself 
because her vocal is astonishing and it really blew me away. And of course, Jenna Russell, um, sort of sparky, dry-witted Susan was absolutely hilarious. And particularly where her and Tyrone were concerned, I was overjoyed being able to see them play roles so different to those I have come to know, know and love them for. And I think it kind of shows how versatile they are as actors. So it was a real, real pleasure. And I believe that fans of the show are affectionately called tossers, which usually means something else in my book. But just this once, I'm willing to make an exception. Those of you who know me will know that I can go on and on ad nauseum about how grateful I am for the people that my love of theatre has brought into my life, both on stage and off. Sometimes, if I'm exceptionally lucky, some of them will stay in my life as friends, which leads me, very smoothly, if I do say so myself, onto the second production I want to talk to you about this this podcast, a play called Little Wars by a dear friend of mine, Stephen Carl McCasland. The year is 1940, and in their salon in France, literary giants Gertrude Stein and her girlfriend Alice B. Toklas are throwing a dinner party. In attendance are Lillian Hellman, Dorothy Parker and Agatha Christie. As wine flows and opinions are shared, the threat of war undercuts proceedings as an unexpected guest in the form of freedom fighter Muriel Gardner and the young maid Bernadette prove that the stakes are higher than anyone dare imagine. For disclosure, I absolutely love and adore plays like this sort of intimate snapshots about people's lives, their relationships and what makes them tick. And the writing here is incredibly witty. I laughed out loud on numerous occasions, notably at the early exchanges in the play between Gertrude and Lillian and at Agatha Christie when she proclaims that she walks in the door and intrigues follow and intrigue follows her. Um, yet, it's always careful to handle the darker aspects of the play with real sort of sensitivity and tact. At its core, the piece for me essentially became about community and what good can come if we are willing to take a stand and use our voices. So it became incredibly relevant and poignant and... Uh, powerful and that's anchored by these seven amazing women who made up the cast. So we have Catherine Russell, Linda Bassett, Juliet Stevenson, Debbie Chazen, Sarah Soleimani, Natasha Karp and Sophie Thompson. Catherine Russell is a delight as Alice Toklas. For me as a fan 
of her television work as I am with a couple of these ladies and again there are other mediums of work um, besides theatre. It was just a real treat to see her um, in, a, in a different piece and playing a different kind of role. She has a warmth and sweetness about her that contrasts beautifully with Linda Bassett's forceful yet incredibly endearing um, Gertrude Stein and what I loved was even from my vantage point sitting in front of my laptop their chemistry felt very palpable and very deftly judged. Debbie Chazen again a familiar face for me from her TV work, um, brought a really sort of interesting, really sort of intoxicating, frenetic energy to Parker that makes the moments where she is quiet and still and opens up about some incredibly difficult experiences that she's had in her life all the more gut-wrenching and poignant. Juliet Stevenson as Lillian starts the play as rather cold and aloof, um, but she does so in a way that's very, very striking. I spent um, a lot of the time where she was on screen, so to speak, wanting to kind of get to know this woman and what she was thinking and what made her say the things that she's saying and what makes her believe what she believes and why does she act the way she does. But I wanted her more and more as a character as the play progressed and that more of her layers become stripped back. Um, Sarah Soleimani as Mary, as she begins the play, she's always engaging, she's spirited, focused, and courageous and just a real delight um, from start to end. Thompson's Christie is different to, again, like with Catherine and Debbie. Again, I know Sophie from more comedic roles. I've actually had the pleasure of seeing her play Adelaide in Guys and Dolls a few years ago up in Chichester. So it was really nice to see her play something a bit more serious and dramatic. Um, her take on Christie is incredibly perceptive. And again, as I mentioned before, she's really, really witty. But she, she also manages to marry that with all these observations that kind of stop me in my tracks and the fact that I wasn't really expecting them from her. Um, as the maid Bernadette, Natasha, I tell you now, um, Natasha Karp is a face to watch. She is going to take the world, by, the acting world by storm. She showcases a tender sort of fragility that drives home the kind of threat that's always sort of simmering below the surface of this play and the tension um, and it's incredible it's an incredibly painful watch at times um, given her story 
and the wider context of the play. But I promise you, the emotional payoff is worthwhile. I remember um, ending the play wanting to go away and learn more about these women as artists and who they were and about their lives. There's discussions about art and its place, um, the nature of womanhood, being a writer and everything besides. And it was really, really fun to see both all the I say both all the characters even get equal screen time, and I could so easily and vividly see the potential from screen to stage one day. Here's hoping. Um, thanks to ha um because the reading felt so vibrant thanks to these seven incredible ladies, and the direction by Hannah Chiswick. In one of my favourite quotes from the play, Toklas remarks that the luxuries of art seem a trifle selfish these days. And that quote really stayed with me for its timeliness in light of where we find ourselves right now. But I, for one, am incredibly grateful that artists are still finding ways to be creative and enrich our lives the way they do. The the play was so well received and is actually heading to Broadway on demand in February from the 1st until Valentine's Day, February the 14th. Stephen, if you're listening, I hope you are. Um, I'm thrilled for you and I'm so grateful I finally got to experience your gift. I love a piano interlude. Now, for the final segment, I want to talk to you about Falling Stars, the new musical review celebrating the composers, collaborators and publishers of the 1920s. This show was due to have a run at the Union Theatre, but after a day of rehearsals, our second lockdown, of course by the time this episode is out, We'll be a couple of weeks into our third nationwide lockdown. 
And so, in three days, they put together a fil film version. The rescheduled January 2021 20 outing hasn't been able to happen either. But I wanted to talk about it here on the podcast to share my newly discovered love for these songs and to say a massive thanks to its cast and creative team. Conceived and written by star Peter Polycarpu, the show centres around a book of songs found in the back of an East Finchley antique shop and through stories and song, Polycarpu and Sally Ann Triplett guide us through music from Chaplin, Irving Berlin, Frederick Weatherly and Arthur Freed, to name a few. It was a real education for me, as most of these songs were new to me, and I think they, those were the ones I enjoyed most. For me, um, Roses of Picardy and You Know You Belong to Somebody Else, So Why Don't You Leave Me Alone were particular highlights. There's a wonderful balance of humour with cheekier numbers like Yes, We Have No Bananas, and when it's night time in Italy, it's Wednesday over here, alongside the slower emotional ballads. Whatever the mood though, what I most took away from it and what abounds was the passion for and understanding of the material. And that was really infectious, infectious and I got swept along in that. And knowing Peter for the variety of musicals I do, most of them were well-known. I had an absolute ball hearing him sing these songs. His voice has a warmth and richness to it that suits them wonderfully, and it's a joy to see playfulness and humour come to the fore when needed to. Um, <clears throat> and Peter, sir, if you're listening, thank you for the education on this wonderful music, and more importantly, welcoming me the way you do every time I have the honour of coming to watch you work. Your warmth, patience and generosity never fails to astonish me, even after all these years, and I'm so grateful. The segues between tunes, though they're occasionally quite wordy, they're delivered with charm and sincerity that kept me engaged and the dynamic between Peter and sally Ann was really, really fun. I'm, I'm not aware, but I'm, I absolutely got the feeling that they worked together before, and they have a really sort of easy chemistry together that was really, really fun and a joy to watch. Um, speaking of sally Ann Triplett, she came into my life Way back in lockdown one, thanks to a, um, thanks to the recent streaming of the musical Godspell, where I was astonished by the emotional depth she gave to her number. Um, if I recall correctly, this is where it's all going to fall apart. But if I recall correctly, she, John Barr and Jenna Russell sang on the Willows, and that is just a beautiful beautiful song it's really emotional and hit me right in the feels um so and i got that a, a real sense of depth from sally ann's performance and i got that quality again from her here in spades and she 
radiates class and sophistication. The treasure trove of music and performance is complemented beautifully by Andrew Exeter's lighting and the sparse props. I think there was a box in one corner, um, the piano and, and a few other little bits and pieces. And the whole effect is really striking. Um, and especially there's moments of silhouette as well. Sally Ann has a beautiful nod to Chaplin, I believe, and um, with a bowler hat at one point. It's just stunning. And Michael Strassen's um, direction moves seamlessly between dialogue and music. I believe that Michael also directed Godspell. So it was a joy to see him handle a kind of different kind of piece, but with the same ease and sort of lightness of touch that he has. The whole idea being that you can just rest easy and lose, the, lose yourselves in the music and this kind of glorious tribute, which is sometimes all you want to do. Um, especially in these times, like you don't want to think too hard about how things are put together necessarily. You just want to enjoy some beautiful music performed by two very talented performers and a creative team that have some really wonderful vision. Some of you will know that the 1920s marked the end of the Spanish flu pandemic. And given the fact that we're all amidst another pandemic right now, the need for music and escapism, as I imagine these songs gave at the time, was quite hard-hitting, but also comforting in the fact that you're still able to find that that sense, or I, at least I was, I was still able to find that joy and escapism watching the piece unfold. And I, I'm hoping to be able to hold on, or I'll do my best to be able to hold on to the, that feeling within the coming months. I'm going to confess something to you now, dear listeners. There were actually two more productions I originally wanted to discuss in this episode, but I'm taking the executive decision to let them to let them have the next episode all to themselves and thereby give you interested parties more content. I hope nobody minds. A clue on those will follow very shortly. <laughs> the Wheelie Stagey podcast turned a year old back in the first week of January. I remember recording our first episode on the 5th but didn't actually release it until January 9th which at the time of recording was yesterday so good for us we're um yeah yes we're one year we're a year old I can't believe it already it's mad um can we have two birthdays like the queen do you think can we have an official birthday and then an unofficial birthday I think we can I know I've still got a lot to learn but one of the things that I took away from last year and that I'm grateful for was my renewed desire and motivation to be creative and kind of devote myself to 
be creative things that bring me joy and fulfill me like this podcast does and I'm I'm so glad that I started to build that foundation with my podcast last year and I want to take that feeling forward I can't wait to see what opportunities I can make for myself and what the future will hold I know that amidst the pandemic we're all still waiting for um life to return to some semblance of normality and be able to be back in the theatre I know I am um but I'm trying to or trying my hardest not to lose hope and hold on to the what I've learned about the fact that art and artists can and will adapt and I know that we'll be able although it might take longer than we want that we'll be able to be back supporting the shows and the people we know and love very soon. Speaking of the future, next episode we're heading to LA by way of Leicester and Neverland by way of Sirencester next time folks. Remember you can follow me on all my socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Wheelie Stagey, so WH double e l i e and then the word stagey you'll find my my logo which is also here on my podcast um and and it will be my profile picture on all of my socials apart from my instagram i think which is a picture of me outside the menier for bridges of madison county of course but um do get in touch it's lovely to hear from you and to see that fan base building. I'm hoping to record episode four sometime in this coming week as I record this. It's now Sunday evening. I'm aiming to record it by sort of mid next week, sort of Wednesday or Thursday. And hopefully edit and put it all together to get it out to you guys by the weekend. Fingers crossed. In the meantime, look after yourselves and each other, and I'll see you again soon. Bye.